0: Hello and welcome to the Audio Choke here at MMATorch.com. Do, uh, do what lots of people do, follow us on Twitter, AudioChoke at Twitter.com. Also, you can join us on Facebook and MMATorch on Facebook.
1: I'm Greg Roland. I'm Tobin Shelby.
0: And I'm Matt Collins. A nice free-form uh, program we have for you today. But first, we'd like to take some time and share some thoughts and uh, give some prayers to the family of Bob Shamrock, who passed away recently.
2: That's right. He, uh, Bob Shamrock, was uh, the father of uh, Ken and Frank Shamrock. Not biologically, he adopted over a hundred kids, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: Well, he had a he ran a home for uh, boys in California. I don't know if he adopted all of them, but yeah, he, he housed many many young men in California throughout the years, and definitely adopted a. Uh, Several UFC or mixed martial arts notables. So, uh, pretty big impact in their lives and lots of other, uh, yeah, traits.
0: Cared for them and just yep. really what a big impact he made on the sport as yep. yep. it is today.
2: So, it was pretty sad. Yeah. Um, it's sad when anyone dies, but particularly sad for a guy who, uh, you know, touched a lot of lives. I like guess it sounds like this guy did.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll miss you very much, Bob. All right. So, uh, other than that, you know, the audio choke, man. We got another episode going. Let's liven things
1: up. All right, yeah. Let's talk about some fights.
0: Yeah. Woo!
1: Not immediate fights, of course. No, okay. no yeah. I mean something's going to be coming up sooner or later. I mean, there's... the calm before the storm is how right. we, which is nice. You know, it's it's good for a little break. I don't know what to do with my Saturday and Sunday nights though. Normally, I'm watching fights. and I don't know.
0: As long as you don't call girls, it's fine. <laughs> it's gross. Grody, yeah. Grody, bro. <laughs> How many girls do you think are getting back into uh, or getting into mixed martial arts now? Because It's come a long way. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah.
2: Well, there, there's definitely some factors, I think, that are probably helping that out. Um, one is actually probably uh, strike force in that they're putting together a women's division. But, you know, there's always also uh, uh, girlfriends of guys who are into it. And, you know, they follow fighters like George St. Pierre um was just about every girl I know is a fan. And, uh, you know, he, he's a hard guy to l- dislike anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it seems to be picking up in the female aspect, I would say, because, you know, five years ago you meant mix, mix, mixed martial arts. They don't even know yeah. what that meant.
0: I mean, Randy Couture and uh, Mark Coleman are not going to be drawing in the lady numbers. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of up and coming. And better looking, gentlemen, Is as gently as I can say that, you know. <laughs>
1: So are we saying the only reason women would be interested in mixed martial arts is because there's cute guys doing it? Yes, and they are, you know.
0: And they can't drive either, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the show's taking a bad turn.
0: <laughs> Already. This is what happens when we don't have anything to moderate about.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'd say it's just like the general audience of MMA. That's, I'm sure there's always been women who are interested in following mixed martial arts and combat sports in general. Absolutely. It's just, just grown over the years. And, and while
0: there has been men, yeah. they're just to watch the hard bodies fight, you know. There's a couple. I'm
1: sure, I'm sure there's a few out there. But, yeah, like uh, Greg was mentioning, uh, force really cultivating the uh, the women's division in America, at least, and having uh, several uh, notable faces and names uh, attached to that over recently over the last year or so has really, uh, I think, helped branch that out. Especially now, I think that
2: uh, uh, the women's division isn't only Gina Carano anymore, which... Uh, you know, she is a very good fighter, but she was also, uh, I think, pushed a lot because she was a very pretty face. And, um, you know, she got smashed during the last fight by Cyborg, uh, which I think probably, I think a lot of female MMA fans would uh, be cheering that on. They'd like to see, you know, a, a pretty ruthless woman going at it and uh, not necessarily just have the, the the female face be pushed because she's pretty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%. So good. I'm glad that yeah. I and mean, come on, ladies, please enjoy. Mm-hmm. Listen to uh, you know, the audio choke. We're we're a female friendly show. I think we got a few girls uh yeah. that are fans. And please not, don't not take, after this episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> please don't take that that driving uh comment literally. Yeah. It's uh just my little attempt huh. at. Anyways, Anyways, me what Chris else Seymourg is going on? Chris is
1: fighting uh, strike force on January 30th. Oh okay. Yeah. Speaking of women's MMA, she
0: is just a beast, isn't she? Yeah, I mean the the. Great fighter, just, just good hands,
1: I mean, <laughs> big arms. i was just saying, the, the basic and simplest comparison, and it's not like, you know, just when people first see her, you know, my impression when, uh, you know, I've had friends who see her fight, it's like, oh, it's a female Vonderlai Silva, which, you know, is nothing to scoff at, but uh, she's got a very aggressive style and uh, to really just kind of run over most of her opponents with, uh, I don't know if she's necessarily, like, technically a, a, a great striker, but she's got, uh, one would say, a little bit of power in her hands that she's demonstrated against uh, most most of uh, her opponents. So it'll be interesting to see she's defending against uh defending her belt for the first time. So uh, it'll be uh hopefully it'll be a good fight. I'm looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, she definitely swings to kill um which is really not the most common thing in women's MMA. And that's not so much that it's a women's thing or a men's thing, but it's just kind of a a weight class thing more than anything else. Where you get the lighter weights and they they don't necessarily have the one punch KO power. So they're more likely to beat the snot out of each other for long periods of time. And, you know, in women's weight classes where this is, what, 145 is the weight class, I think? um, You know, men 145 don't really go for uh, one-punch knockouts either. Uh, So it's kind of cool to see a a woman who is going in there and is just brutalizing people as opposed to, uh, you know, not necessarily always taking a decision, but doing more of an attrition-style fight.
1: Yeah, and she'll be taking on uh, Marluse Coonan who's coming off a win over Roxanne Matafari. Uh, a really quick submission win. Strikeforce just posted uh, that fight uh, video online, I believe, on their website, which is pretty neat to watch because it was, I believe, it was on the undercard of their last CBS uh, card, mm-hmm. so it didn't make the broadcast. But uh, so, if people are wondering who Chris Cyborg is defending her belt against, you can check that out online. But um, you know, other since we're talking about Strike Force coming up on the 30th we might as well mention that uh, as of Monday January 18th Bobby Lashley has not does not officially have an opponent as of yet which mm. is uh What happened? Well Greg, let's, uh, let's talk about it. Basically, the commission—it sounds like the commission said his first opponent was—it wasn't a competitive fight. Yeah, he he was not
2: competitive, which is weird because his original opponent was like two and one or three and one or something like that, which is a, a pretty similar record. Bobby Lashley is four and zero, oh, but it's really not a huge disparity in fights. Um, the only thing that I could think of was that Bobby Lashley's all four of his fights, I think, were in the last year, and they were saying uh, that his opponent. His last fight was before Bobby Lashley's first fight. So um, they they were kind of taking ring rust into account. But, I mean, Bobby Lashley is not a seasoned pro either with four fights. And uh, this is his first time in the big leagues. And, I mean, his, his fights that he has had aren't against great people. His last fight was against Bob Sapp, who is a name, but he's not...
1: Not known for his gas tank or a diverse skill set.
2: Yeah, or his chin, heart. I mean, the, 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 There's a lot of holes in his game. And, uh, you know, he, he got destroyed, but Bobby Lashley wouldn't be the first person to do that by any stretch of the imagination. It was kind of weird to see the Athletic Commission just flat-out deny an opponent.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's something you don't normally see too often. So it would be interesting to see, um, I guess, what opponent they come up with. I know there's been some rumors floating around, but uh, as I said, as of... You know, the day we're recording this, has not been anything official.
0: Why does his name ring a bell to me?
1: Bobby
2: Lashley wrestled in the WWE for a few years. Um, Or perhaps you know him from his collegiate
1: wrestling days. Maybe (laughs) that's it, Matt.
0: Okay, Tobin. I'm sorry for the women can't (laughs) drive comment. I'm sorry I offended you so much. (laughs) I apologize. Uh, Bobby Lashley was... uh, He was a part of that tag team, wasn't he? It was him and then the white dude? I couldn't tell you. Oh, right. Donald Never Trump? mind.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, he did He did headline a WrestleMania main event, I believe, is Donald Trump's muscle versus Vince McMahon and whoever wrestler he had in a loser gets their head shaved match.
0: <laughs> One of those classics.
1: Yeah. Any MMA purists right now are just oh, yeah, they're, they're cutting their wrists. <laughs> uh, Any time professional well, wrestling. you know, this is, a, this
0: is news, you know. Yeah.
1: Mixed martial arts news. You know, it's just a little ignorant. Sorry. But, yeah, so it's, it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, Bobby Lashley's got a, a – not a huge name, but a pretty big name. Is people familiar with you know wrestling or anything like that will probably recognize him. And, just through
0: uh, the glitz and glamour of the WWE, right? He didn't yeah, have any substantial. It's not
1: like there's been any like previous WWE performers who have made it really big in MMA. And
0: yeah, you know, Brock Lesnar made himself a legitimate name on yeah, the mixed yeah, martial arts art stage. And
1: Bobby Lashley, uh, you know, was fairly or not has been compared to him because of the collegiate wrestling and because of the pro wrestling experience and. I you know I don't think they compare at the moment right now. Brock Lesnar is you know more or less uh, has been a freak of nature when it comes to the the level of performance he's been able to put on. Whereas Bobby Lashley's kind of gone the more traditional like incremental steps up the MMA ladder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, Bobby Lashley he's had
2: four fights and Brock Lesnar's fourth fight he beat Randy Couture for the UFC title. So and. One could say that uh, the biggest difference between the two um, right now is just the fact that uh, Brock Lesnar really dove in head first. He had one fight in Japan, um, I believe it was, it was a K-1 fight, um, and it it was just, it it was a squash match, but after that he went to the UFC and he fought ranked competitors for all of his fights, and you know, Bobby Lashley, like you said, is doing more of the traditional thing, more of uh, what you would usually do with a prospect. Whereas, just I like build him up one fight at a time and make sure that every opponent is a little better than the one
1: before it.
0: Excellent. Well, what else do we have coming up? We have looked forward to some new matchups, I guess, uh, on the horizon, Tobin.
1: Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, like I said, no, no fights in the immediate future, but there is a uh, people who don't know UFC is going to be putting on its first uh, event on the Versus network. That was part of the new Versus deal with Zufa Was that uh, UFC would be doing several events on the versus network and they've announced they, they had announced previously that it would be John Jones versus Brendan Vera in the main events on that card. Uh, and since then uh, they've, they have announced a few other fights. The most recent, I believe is uh Czech Congo versus Paul Buentello, which uh, ought to be a quick fight. Yeah. Neither of those men are known for, uh, well, they, I mean, not in a bad way, but they, they just, they like to brawl and, you know, Buentello. um, Went pretty far against Stefan Struve in his last fight. Got a pretty awesome punch when Struve was throwing a flying knee yeah, at him. Yeah, punched player. him right out of the air. Which was pretty great. Uh he he lost that decision, I believe, but uh, it, mm-hmm. that should, that should be a fun fight. Um also This is I'm, gonna I'm be a pretty right quick
0: uh, turnaround for Chet Congo, isn't
2: it? It's actually a pretty quick turnaround for both of them. I think they both fought at UFC one hundred seven and both lost. Frank yeah. uh Chet Congo fought Frank Mir. Where he was choked out in about a minute, and I believe it's the same show that Buontempo fought Seven Struve. So I mean,
1: uh, but I mean, if he, both of them came out, you know, relatively injury-free, I mean, that's not that's a, not horrible a horrible turnaround. We've got to remember this card isn't coming up until March. So, but this is you know, this is kind of what happens when there's not cards on the like you know the coming weekend is you'll see a lot more of the fight announcements to kind of keep mm-hmm. MMA in the. Uh, in the news cycle, and so we got a which really know. helps us out. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. <laughs> but uh, also, uh, I believe on the card is uh, Gabriel Gonzaga versus Junior Dos Santos. Uh, also, yeah. Anthony Johnson versus John Howard. And those are all the those are the main card fights. Uh, some other notable ones: Clay, Clay Guida is rumored to be fighting Shannon uh, Gugerty. That hasn't been confirmed yet. And James Irvin might be returning from his. I believe the last time he fought was when he got uh, Anderson Silva. Yeah, broken. By Anderson Silva. Yeah, that was pretty rough to watch.
2: A couple fights I'd like to comment real quick on there. uh, Gabriel Gonzaga against Junior Dos Santos, I believe was supposed to be happening at UFC 108, but that was the fight where Gonzaga had gotten a staph infection and got replaced by Gilbert Ivel. And then um, Clay Guida was supposed to fight Sean Shirk, which is a fight that I would have liked to have seen, but Sean Shirk got uh, re-injured, so... That fight got dropped, and uh looks like they've found a new opponent for Clay Guida.
1: Yeah, yeah, that should be, if, it, if that is, does end up being confirmed, that should be a good fight. Uh, one of the other ones on the prelim, uh, Spencer Fisher versus Dwayne Ludwig, which should be uh, pretty fun. Spencer, Spencer Fisher, known for many things, including a really awesome flying knee. Mm-hmm. And a good Ric Flair impression. Yeah. Woo! Nice, nice Ric Flair and nice karate stances after. I'm not going to be baited into your woo-fest again. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bait me! Bait me, Tobin! That was last episode. Oh, we should mention this is being reported by, or uh, you know, being reported by. uh, I think it's posted up on the WEC's official, or not WEC, sorry. Versus. I get confused when there's more than like one fight promotion on one network. Yeah, No, it can be rough. I mean, we're getting uh, there. One one show at a time, everybody. But yeah, it looks like uh, the Vera versus Jones card is being uh, solidified at this point. So, uh, yeah, Versus and UFC are confirming a lot of those fights at the moment. But, uh, you know, hopefully we won't get the injury bug again. It's not until March that these, this fight card on Versus is going to happen. So, fingers crossed. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're past that phase. It seems like UFC really kind of got some sort of weird voodoo curse on it for a while there with pe- people getting injured left and right.
0: Yeah.
2: it's like to throw out there that... uh I really like John Jones. I I see uh, championships in his future. I think that guy, uh, I mean, he, he's young, he's 21 or 22, and uh, he's just been wrecking people. His last fight with Matt Hamill, uh, he, he ended up beating the loss from the disqualification from the downward-pointed elbows, but mm. he was taking a, a grizzled veteran and just manhandled him. So.
1: Yeah, and him versus Brendan Vera should be a very fun fight. They've got, uh, I don't know if they necessarily have similar styles, but they kind of, I think they match up well, at least on paper it seems. And Vera is coming off that controversial uh, loss to Randy Couture. so.
2: Yeah, well, that was a fight that you could say that it would be scored the other way, but really not a whole lot happened the entire fight. Um, it was one of those fights where I watched it, and I looked at my girlfriend, I was like, I don't know who won. You know, like, I'm gonna hope for Randy, because I always do, but um, I can't say with confidence that either guy deserved it, because you know, Brandon Vera did do more damage, but he was also being controlled for the vast majority of the fight. And he wasn't being dominated when he was being controlled, but he, he wasn't being able to do anything either. It, most of the fight was them hugging up against the fence, um, kind of in the clinch. Randy was trying to get the takedown, and he wasn't able to get it, obviously. Um, you know, like 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 I said, it's, it was a little bit controversial, but... um.
1: It was. It wasn't like a highway robbery or anything. Like
2: yeah, that. it wasn't on the level of the uh, Shogun Machida uh, decision where
1: that created a, a huge outcry. Yes, but we do have the rematch to look forward to. So that's. I believe Machida got injured in that fight, which is why the rematch hasn't happened immediately. Yeah, he,
2: he broke his hand. Yeah. Which, um, some speculate that may have, uh, had something to do with the way the fight played out the first time.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Be, whenever there's an injury in a fight, you know, it's not like it's a, you know necessarily an excuse, but it always kind of puts that in the back of your head. You know, like, oh, what if, like, that had to happen? You know, what, how would the fight have yeah. played out maybe a little differently? Kind of like how we were talking about the,
2: uh, Uriah Faber Mike Brown fight the other day yeah. where he broke both hands. Like, with
1: his elbows.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, you, you get handicapped in a fight like that. And uh, it gets to the point, like, what can you do? And, um, you know, like, it it, it doesn't mean you win. It doesn't mean you're necessarily better. But um, it's not like Mike Brown broke his hands on purpose by headbutting him in the hand. It's, uh, you know, it's just something that happens because of the nature of of a fight. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the the rematch. And, um, you know, Machida is a guy who has always been used to people not being able to figure him out, people not being able to figure him out. And Shogun surprised everyone, because he's usually the kind of guy who comes forward, comes forward, comes forward, and he was instead, uh, you know, he's hanging back, he's, he's throwing the leg kicks, which is not really something he was known for.
1: Yeah, and known for a much more
2: aggressive style. And now that Machida was the one who had to figure out something, he wasn't really able to think on his feet very well. So it's interesting to me to see how well he could uh, you know, come up with a new game plan, a plan B, because it really seemed
1: in the first fight like he had no plan B. Mm. And since we're speaking of the rematch between Machida and uh, Shogun, we should mention that's uh, going to headline UFC 113, which um, it looks like will be in direct competition with a Floyd Mayweather boxing match.
0: Not, yeah, it's it's yeah. not UFC versus boxing. It's one man Floyd Mayweather versus... UFC 13.
1: Yeah, but it is one of the top drawing boxers versus... So, I mean, and not like, you know, I, I'm not really too caught up in the, like, us-versus-them mentality. I don't really follow boxing, but I, I'm not, like...
0: I don't think there's I that much competition anymore. I mean, boxing's not dead by any means. no, no, no. It, It'll Especially never... Especially internationally. Die. Yeah. But uh, I think here in the U.S. that, eh... It, it'll do fine. It, it may not It may not uh, beat him out in, uh, in
1: pay-per-view sales,
0: but uh, I think it'll definitely it, hold it own.
1: Mayweather draws pretty big, so it'll be interesting to see. But uh, it, just because, you know, my take on it is just boxing has, you know, those one or two events each year that are like, everyone has to see this fight, you know. Mayweather's fighting, uh, you know. Back Pacquiao. The, yeah, yeah. Pacquiao. Yeah, Pacquiao used to be, you know, De La Hoya, uh, whereas, you know, in mixed martial arts, you kind of have a more year-round saturation where, you know, the UFC, and that's kind of been, you know, the UFC's take on boxing is well, we offer uh, big name fights on every card, whereas you know boxing arguably has, like I said, just the one or two big fights a year. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if um, how that pans out. Uh, you know, last time they went head to head, it was uh, UFC uh, 103 with uh, Rich Franklin versus Vitor Belfort, and that was also versus uh, against a Floyd Mayweather fight, and that that was not uh, that did not go well for MMA.
2: Yeah, but that was also not really a very spectacular card. Right, I was
1: I was about to bring that up. You know, Rich Franklin and Vitor Belfort are both uh, big names and kind of you know legends in the sport almost. But you know, kind of at that time, and you know, the, it wasn't a it wasn't a huge it wasn't a big money fight. It, it was, was just
2: there's no title fights in it. Right,
1: there wasn't huge implications for that fight. Whereas uh, this UFC 113 card, it's got uh, the rematch between Machida and Hua, and it's also got a. Uh, I believe this is also the card that's going to have a. Uh, Rampage Jackson finally taking on Rashad Evans. Ooh. So that has a lot more drawing power, so it'll be interesting to see if that...
0: Uh, yeah, they're really working the uh, that angle yeah. of, you know,
1: UFC versus the boxing. Right, and, you know, I, I have no animosity towards boxing. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't follow it, so it's not... Don't. It, it's not really on my radar. Well, one thing I'd like
2: to touch on that you, uh, you just brought up, where it's UFC against one guy... I think that's been a really good play on UFC's part where it's UFC against Floyd Mayweather, as opposed to kinda of following the boxing model where they, they build up the fighters more. Uh, the UFC has done a great job of building up their brand. The UFC is bigger than any given fighter as opposed to the way Tito Ortiz would have probably liked it, you know, ten years ago when he was on top and he was trying to become the sport. He was gonna be, you know, the Tito or he was gonna be Tito Ortiz who was gonna be the man, basically. And, uh, you know, the UFC has done a great job of making it so it's UFC against Floyd Mayweather, not Machida against Floyd Mayweather yeah. or any of that, which um, personally I like better because uh, when you're watching the UFC as opposed to boxing, because you're watching the sport, you get to see, or you, watching a company, sorry, you get to see all the up and comers this way. And you have reason to care about them because it's not just like you're watching this for one guy you may have tuned in to watch Chuck Liddell fight, but then you got to see Forrest Griffin fight. And because of that, you know, you got to become a fan of him, and then, you know, he goes on to win a championship, and when he's fighting for the championship, now you get to see John Jones fight. And it's a more perpetuating cycle, as opposed to, you know, one of the biggest uh, pieces of ammunition that mixed martial arts has to say that boxing is dead, is, you know, they point to the Floyd Mayweather and um, Pacquiao fight. And that's a fight that everyone wants to see. I have never ordered a boxing pay-per-view, but if that if that fight is ever made, I'll order it. Um, but after that, I was like, well, then what? Uh, th- there's a few stars right now, as opposed to a decade ago when there was a lot of stars. And um, because of kind of the model, I-, I would love to see them build up some big stars, but I just don't see where the stars are going to come from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. You, you kind of mentioned, like, the brand of, of UFC, which is, um, you know, you mentioned certain fighters, uh, Tito Ortiz in particular might, might, you know, there's been the issue between whether the UFC should be promoting itself or its fighters or both or how that works out. But, I mean, at the same time, you do see that in the pay-per-view numbers where it has worked out very well for uh, the UFC. I mean, uh, when it comes to mixed martial arts promotion, the UFC just runs away with pay-per-view numbers. Uh, the second best was when Affliction was, Doing the, a couple, had a couple fights with Fedor and, and such, and they didn't really even come close to the UFC numbers, even like a bad UFC card. Um, it, it was like 100,000 buys or something like that versus, you know, I think the last card the UFC did uh, reportedly didn't do great. It was the, uh, the cursed, sick injure, injury card. Okay. But it still had, you know, I, reportedly, uh, according to, I believe... beat what,
0: football, I think. What? Did, I think it beat football, didn't it?
1: Um...
0: Maybe not. Go on with <laughs> what you were I don't know
1: how would you compare a UFC pay-per-view draw to football. Okay. Yeah. No, that's no what were you saying? But, uh, no, like even even their last card, you know, with all the injuries and such, it didn't do great, but it still, you know, beat out, you know, like say what Affliction would have done, you know, did mm-hmm. on pay-per-view with, you know, having arguably the top heavyweight in the world. So the UFC mm-hmm. brand means something. It, it's still kind of in the stage where it's, it's hard to figure out exactly how many pay-per-views or how many views the just the name UFC brings but it's it, it's obvious that it's there to some extent
2: well i i I'm, I'm certain it's there to a fairly large extent i I know a handful of people that will order every UFC just because there's a UFC on they don't right. even need to know necessarily what's going on but if they find out there's a UFC tonight they're ordering it and uh, you know sometimes these are the same people who have never heard of pride um but you know the, the UFC is just built up to a point. If there's guys that they know, they'll be more excited about it. And I'm certain that, uh, you know, when a guy like Brock Lesnar pops up, uh, there's going to be people who wouldn't buy every UFC that would buy that one. But there's got to be a pretty huge following, I would think, just for the UFC name.
1: Right. You mentioned Pride, and I think that's probably the best segue we could get. Uh, Did either of you guys catch the best of Pride on Spike last week?
2: I didn't catch it, but I heard they're doing it.
1: Yes, yeah. Their premiere episode was on uh, Friday, whatever day that was. Is this like a
0: mini series? Uh, It's going to go on. It's basically
1: um, UFC Unleashed, only Mm -hmm. with uh, Pride fights because the UFC bought Pride and basically, uh, for the millions of dollars they spent on it, got a video library.
0: I right, I understand. Yeah, yep. yeah. But So it's not always going to be the best of, because they have every single match available to them. No, maybe I, I for would the imagine first they're not going to show
1: horrible fights.
0: Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I think they're
1: just going to show a lot of it as current. I mean, because there's a lot of current UFC stars who who were in pride. I mean, Rampage. Uh, Noguera. Not Machida, not Machida but um, um, Shogun. Shogun, uh, both the both the Whoas, actually. Um, yeah, both the Nogueras, Anderson Silva. Uh, Vondelay Silva, all, all kinds mm-hmm. of big names. Fedor fought there, so it'll be interesting to see if I, I can't met, It'll be weird, you know, are we going to see the revisionist history where it's like, oh, yeah, the number one heavyweight fighter in the world fought for pride, but he's not under the UFC contract, so. I actually mm-hmm.
2: wouldn't be surprised if they kind of cut out those fights. Um, to print- protect the brand and all
1: right. Well, yeah, you know that's a legitimate it, point. And.
2: Well, they they do that, but also, um, I was watching the the UFC top 100 fights, and there was a very noticeable absent one in Tito Ortiz versus Frank Shamrock, which
0: which is, is a phenomenal fight. Yeah, it's it's not.
2: I'm not going to say it should be number one or anything, but I was, you know, I think a lot of people would at least consider it to be top 20, mm-hmm. and uh, not on the countdown at all. So. I think there's definitely some uh, sour grapes in that one, given the way the uh, Frank Shamrock and Dana White feud has gone on.
1: Right. And, you know, it'd be one thing if Fedor was no longer an active fighter, or, like, you know, se- several other fighters who, who are no longer active. It'll be interesting to see if any Dan Henderson fights show up on the Best of Pride as well. Um, but it's another thing if, say, you have fights of a top fighter who's currently fighting in a rival promotion, as is what's happening now with Fedor and Dan Henderson... Uh, where they're both on, under contract with Strikeforce, so it would be almost arguably Zufa promoting uh, a rival company. But at the same time, you're robbing people who have not seen uh, those fights of, you know, some pretty awesome and vintage uh, MMA.
0: So how was the debut episode?
1: Uh, it w- it was pretty good. I mean, it's it's very much presented like much like the UFC Unleashed, where it's, it's not like they just grabbed a Pride pay-per-view and threw it on TV. They, like, select fights and be like, hey, it's, you know... Uh, January of 2001. Here's you know so and so fighting so and so in in Japan. Uh, you know uh, I'm I'm pulling up the info on which cards which fights were shown. One of them was the uh, the second fight between uh von Silva and Quentin Jackson. Mm. Where uh, Jackson notoriously was knocked out and landed uh, yeah. Yeah. face first, kind of hanging through the ropes out of the ring. Uh, so uh, that was I've only seen the highlights of that. You know I I didn't really watch Pride at all uh, back in the day. I wasn't. Too savvy on the MMA scene at that point, uh, so it's for me. It was kind of nice to be able to see those fights in their entirety, e- even if it is in a kind of like serialized, uh, you know.
2: Yeah, that was a way. real big highlight knockout there. Um, I, Rampage says that he's only been knocked out once. I, I count a few more times, but if, if there's only once that he's been knocked out, that was definitely the one time because he. Uh, it, it was it was a really brutal thing to see, and he was actually winning a lot of the fight up until that point. Um, particularly in the first round. But that was after Rampage's first freakout, um, which he's now kind of been known for. But um, in the middle of the night, something like a week before that fight, he found Jesus uh, in a dream Mm. and uh, woke up screaming, grabbed his son, and ran into the middle of the street in his underwear um, and went on a fast, apparently, for a week into that fight. So um, he (laughs) he definitely ran out of gas and got brutalized.
1: Yeah, okay, I've got the uh, the list here. I, you know, I just watched it like three days ago, but that's so much stuff. It's okay, man. I watch a lot of TV, is what I'm saying. It's hard for me to remember things that happened. You're instantly.
0: having lots of sex with beautiful women. That's what are you doing, Tobin? We're here
1: for you, buddy. Sure, that's what happened. So, uh, the, the fight on, the, on the premiere episode of The Best of Pride, we had uh, Vonderlay Silva versus Rampage Jackson. Uh, we did have someone actually under force contract fighting, but they lost. Uh, Chuck Liddell versus Alistair Overeem. And... Overeem's barely under strike force contract. He hasn't fought with them in...
2: Well, then ages. it doesn't
1: count if Chuck Liddell knocks him out. You know, I'm sure they'll pull up a few oh, Dan show, Henderson yeah, losses. Yeah, they'll, they'll show plenty, plenty of uh, rival fighters uh, losing, I'm sure. Uh, we also had uh, Takanori Gomi sorry, versus uh, Crazy Horse Charles Bennett. And that's uh, another guy that UFC just signed up yeah. recently. So this will be nice. It'll be, serve as a way to uh, kind of help promote, and, and, and as it should be. I mean, you, you're a company, you got to... Promote upcoming fights, so you're going to use archive archive footage of uh, fighters that uh, U.S. Um, viewers might not be familiar with, and that, that that really worked well. So that that was a pretty fun fight to watch. I hadn't seen that either. Um, Gomi's kind of pretty well known through for uh, hardcore fans. Uh, Crazy Horse might not be the most technical, uh, <laughs> sound um, diversified fighter, but he did. Uh, it was a pretty interesting uh, competitive fight for the most part. That was kind of fun to watch. Uh, Anderson's. Uh, Silva, defeating Carlos Newton.
2: Yes. With a flying knee.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he was knocked out before he fell down. Is And then uh, I believe he got woken up by punches and then fell asleep again, is basically what it looked like. And then uh, Shogun, who uh taken on Kevin Randleman in not what would be Randleman's best performance. There were a lot of performances of Randleman's that yeah. can
2: be classified that way, though.
1: Right, but that was the that was the uh, the featured fight or the main event fight for the uh, the first Best of Pride uh, series uh, airing on Spike, and I believe it's just gonna be airing every Friday, as far as I know. But who knows with Spike, that might end up ending uh, showing endless repeats at some point. But uh, yeah, that was, that was that was a kind of neat fight to highlight uh, Shogun's uh, ground skills because uh, while you know people watching the UFC might have heard a lot about Shogun's ground skills, they might not. They haven't seen really much evidence of that in the UFC. and this one, he basically got taken down immediately by Randleman and then uh, proceeded to uh, bend his body in all kinds of horrible shapes until Randleman finally tapped out.
2: Huh. I'm so. kind of surprised they didn't throw any fights with Krokop in there, given that um, Krokop does have a fight coming up in Australia at UFC 110.
0: mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, he's been touted as his
0: feared
1: striker, but nobody who watches the UFC has gotten to see it. Right. I'm sure once the that uh, his fight date moves closer, we'll see some of that. And I'm really, really pulling for the Cro versus Fedor fight, which probably won't make it onto TV. Probably won't make it. That
2: was a great fight when it happened, though. Yeah. Um.
1: But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, the UFC has shown, you know, they, they have Tim Sylvia fights still floating around, even when he was in, in, on UFC Unleashed, you know, even when he was fighting with Affliction. So, who, who knows? But... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see Croak or not Croak up. Uh, Fedor Henderson show up on much of the Best of Pride, you know, in a winning fashion. So
0: well, we'll see what happens. Only time will tell. You're inside the audio choke. Anything else you guys want to talk about? For the news items, uh, anything else?
1: Uh, you know, I'm looking around ahead of a... pro women driving jokes.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Herschel Walker.
1: Yes, Herschel Walker also being featured on the Strikeforce January 30th card uh, in Miami which is taking place during Pro Bowl weekend, which I think is good marketing on Strike Force's part. He does have an approved op- opponent, uh, and he's been making the media rounds, which is kind of interesting because he does have uh, a great background in all kinds of sports. You know, football and you know, bobsledding, almost made track in the Olympics, done all kinds of uh, pretty amazing feats. Um, so he, he's been getting a lot of mainstream, mainstream attention from the media uh, for his upcoming fight that you wouldn't see... Uh, necessarily with a lot of other fighters, even you know, way more experienced fighters. You know, he was doing interviews on ESPN, and uh, he did does, did an interview with Howard Stern, and all kinds of uh, interesting things to promote the fight. So hopefully that'll pay off for strike force. But uh, he uh, he's an interesting character. He, he some of the interviews he's done, he's talked about how he only gets uh, maybe four or so hours of sleep and only eats one meal a day, which uh, I'm not. Luckily, this is, this is audio only, yeah. but uh, I, I, I do not look uh, to be an in-shape person, so I, I don't claim to be an expert on healthy eating or training right. regimen, but I would imagine uh, athletes who are training in, in any sport, uh, any competitive contact sport, might need to eat more than one meal a day.
0: Like several small meals, Several perhaps.
1: small de- meals full of protein. And, and oh, more can, than four yeah.
0: hours of sleep. You need your beauty rest
1: one one would think again not not an expert but so it, it's interesting and you know we'll see how it uh plays out when he when he fights uh but at the same time he he's been approved by the commission and there's an interview floating around uh with the uh the, the commissioner, not the commissioner, but the person who, you know, performed the, the exam, the physical on him, and said he's in great shape, you know, he's a perfect specimen. It, it it was kind of along those lines, almost, as like, this guy is like, you know, a 47-year-old living in like a 20-something-year-old's body, and, you know, who, who knows, plenty of hyper- hyperbole floating around there, too, but, yeah. uh, you know, Herschel Walker's not in bad shape for someone his age, and he's got, he does have a background in combat sports, uh, I believe he's, like a fifth-degree black belt in Taekwondo or something along those lines. And, you know, he, he says he's been following MMA since, you know, following it as a fan since, you know, UFC won and has done training for a while. So who knows? But it, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see, I think. And I, I, I do, w- whether or not it deserves to be on the main card, uh, you know, you can argue that. He doesn't have any pro fights at this point. But he's got a name, which is one thing. And uh, it is happening again during Pro Bowl weekend in, in the same state as yes. the Pro Bowl, so he's going to, you know, I- at least the live crowd, I think, would be very, there'd be a lot of people there, people who recognize the name, you know, maybe he'll get some old friends showing up there, so it'd be fun to see how that uh, ends up playing out. I'm done.
0: I'm and scene. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, One
2: other thing, Um, I'm blinking right now if it was confirmed or if it's rumored, but um. You're looking at Kimbo Slice fighting Matt Mitrione at UFC 113, which would be the uh, UFC pay-per-view debut of Kimbo Slice against that really annoying guy from season 10 who uh, knocked out Marcus Jones at the uh, Ultimate Finale. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, despite the way he's been uh, the way the cameras edited it, or he was edited on uh, on on the show, uh, yeah, Matt Mitrione does not have a not have a big fan following. It would seem but he uh, you know, he has proven himself to be a decent fighter at least i mean he's got got good hands it seems and's uh, able to take uh, some hits you know uh, absorb some punches so that's uh should be a good matchup you know kind of too hard to too early to prognosticate on that fight precisely but uh when when you're uh, booking matches for uh, Kimbo i would imagine uh, from a promoting standpoint you want someone of a a, braw- a brawler type, you know, yeah. I, I, and I, I don't think brawler. And a well.
0: personality of any type, really. Right, like, right. even, you know, the bad guy, you yeah. know, like a personality could almost work just as well a- as a, an opponent that fits him um, stylistically.
1: Right, and you know, the, honestly, this is kind of what I... Not this fight specifically, but this is kind of what I expected of, of fights for Kimbo coming off of the Ultimate Fighter was to just see him matched up with other fighters from the show because, you know, despite his drawing power and, you know, Rather interesting personality. He just, you know, technically he's not at the level where he could compete with, uh, you know, kind of the mid- middle tier, top tier of the heavyweights in the UFC. He needs to be, uh, fighting similar competition. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd see him working his way around the uh the heavyweights from the show. I thought this fight was kind of interesting book though, because uh, at the
2: finale of the Ultimate Fighter, when he fought Houston Alexander. They actually fought that fight at a catch weight of 215, which was the first time that uh, Kimbo Slice had ever cut weight. And he actually cut down to something like 212. He was a Mm -hmm. few pounds below the limit. So I was kind of speculating that he was making a drop perhaps to 205, but it looks like that is not the case. Um, At least for the time being, it looks like he's staying at heavyweight.
0: He just wanted to get a gold star. Right. people weighing him in.
1: Well, I I would think, you know, he'd probably lose a lot of, uh, he, he'd be at a very huge speed disadvantage uh, if he moved down to light heavyweight, I would think. Uh, he, he's not exactly the most agile fighter as it is, and when you get down to those, there's a lot of pretty quick fighters at light heavyweight, whereas, you know, there's a few at heavyweight, uh, Brock Lesnar. But, uh, you know, his chances, speed-wise at least, you know, I think are a little bit better at heavyweight. Um well, it's, it's definitely possible that
2: that fight uh, was only brought at the catch weight because of the fact of Houston Alexander, That maybe they just wanted to make that matchup, and that was the only way that matchup was going to happen. But, I don't know, it just looked to me like that was something they were leaning towards. But I guess not, which is fine. Um, the light heavyweight division is far more stacked than the heavyweight division, <laughs> so there's no reason they need to be moving one of their big draws, even if he's not a uh, particularly good guy. Uh, in terms of skills, he'll do better at heavyweight than he will at light heavyweight in terms of uh, competition. Um, The competition may be tougher because it's bigger, but there's less of it. So he'll find it easier to climb the ranks, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, Really quick, since we're talking about weight, I should mention, it sounds like Diego Sanchez, uh, on his Facebook and Twitter account, has said he will be moving back up to 170. And also it looks like Nate Diaz... Uh, has been making some noise after his loss to Gray Maynard that he might move to 170 as well so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that goes I think it would be uh, Diaz's first time uh, moving up to 170 but Sanchez would be a return yeah. it would be interesting to see how that uh, plays out
2: that is interesting this is actually the first that I've heard of uh, the Diego Sanchez one and honestly I like that move better than the Nate Diaz one <laughs> Um I would like to see Diego Sanchez fight Kenny Florian in a rematch before he moves up, though, just because I think that rematch needs to happen. They fought on the season finale of The Ultimate Fighter 1 at middleweight at 185 five years uh, ago. A little chubby. And, uh, you know, Florian has improved leaps and bounds since then. Diego Sanchez has improved, too, but I think it would be a far more competitive fight this time around. And it's just the fight that needs to happen. That said, I think Diego Sanchez would do well at uh, 170. He did very well before then. Uh, He lost to Josh Koscik and John Fitch, which there is no shame in either of those losses, especially since both of them were decision. And um, the Josh Koscik fight was really not that much of a fight. It was um, a lot of jabbing and staying away. And uh, there was also talk about uh, Diego Sanchez having some pretty bad staph infection for that fight. So I think he could be competitive. It could just be that he's trying to get away from BJ Penn. But, you know, I I think that he's got some legitimate uh, shot at being a a top contender there. Nate Diaz, though, um, I don't like that move for him. Mm -hmm. Because he has really had a hard time with wrestlers at 155. Um, He lost to Clay Guida. He lost to Joe Stevenson. And he lost to now Gray Maynard. Um, basically because they could take him down and he couldn't take them down. And since they controlled the fight, they were able to uh, wind up winning the decision. And if he's having a hard time with the wrestlers at 155, he is going to get even worse of a time against guys like Josh Koscheck and John Fitch. And, you know, if he managed to make it somehow to George St. Pierre, um, I mean, those guys are bigger, stronger, and, you know, arguably better wrestlers than the guys at 155 that he's been fighting. So, I and mean, he can do what he wants but I, I don't like the move for him
1: yeah i mean for me it's it's interesting when you, whenever you hear a fighter uh, talk about moving weight weight classes it, it you know it's hard for me to jump to any immediate conclusions usually but uh, you know it, it seems a little odd for Nate Diaz to be moving but you know we'll see how it pans out i mean he's got a great ground game and he's he's uh, said in some interviews that you know the cut to 155 has been a little tough for him so who knows maybe with a little more uh, meat on his bones he'll uh, you know, fill out a little bit, and we'll see how it, how it plays out. But, I mean, uh, it, it, for me, it's kind of just too hard to say at this point, you know, what exactly a weight weight change will mean for him. But.
2: One thing you could say for Nate, though, uh, in favor of the weight change, is to point to his brother Nick, who has jumped around between three weight classes and um, has had all kinds of success at middleweight, although he hasn't really fought the top competition Um but you know, he, he fought at 170, and he fought at 160, and, uh, you know, he he lost sometimes at 160. He, he won some pretty good fights, too, but, um, you know, maybe Nate's looking at his big brother and thinking, well, he can do it. Maybe that'll work out for me, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, fun to see. I mean, it's, it's one of the many enjoyable aspects of MMA is just kind of not only just to watch the fights, but all the kind of behind the scenes or just, you know, the... Uh, out-of-the-octagon uh, things that happen and following the, the business aspects of it and just uh, how it all uh, pans out.
0: Which we love doing here at The yep. Audio Choke at Twitter.com and Facebook.com. Also, you can follow MMA Torch at Facebook.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I am Greg Rowland. I'm Tobin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. See you next week.
1: Audio, Audio Choke. <laughs> And I didn't even mention the best part about Pride, original commentary. So oh, it's
2: got Boss Rootin on Boss Rutin and uh Mar- yeah.
1: yeah. Boss Rootin and uh Marl and then Stephen Quadros hops on there every once in a while, I believe. I but, like yeah.
2: Quadros better than Ronello myself. Yeah.
1: But uh something about
2: uh Mauro's voice. I don't right. I mean you know, he's a good enough announcer, but yeah. I don't really like listening to him <laughs> so much. But uh Boss Rutin's always fun. Yeah.
0: Well I know what our Easter egg is gonna be. El Guapo? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Supposedly <laughs> Boss Rutin has sobered up now though. Aww. So uh,
1: I, I, I heard an interview with him uh recently. So that that's good good for him.
2: It's good for him, but bad for commentary worldwide <laughs> um,